Well, today is Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to everybody, and I'm sure that it brings a lot of good memories to the fathers that are here today, and I have a couple memories I want to share with you. You'll see the first picture that goes up here. This is the four generations, and this is my grandfather on the left. He was born in 1898, and I learned a lot from him. I learned work ethic and character, all of those kind of things, which was so good, and I appreciated knowing him for a long time. Then my father on the right... um, I've been blessed to have a father for 64 years and counting, and that has been so special. He's 86, and not only did he continue to teach me work ethic and character, but he added a spiritual dimension. He and mom were saved in their mid-20s, and so I was privileged to grow up in a good Christian home. And then I've been privileged to be a father for 41 years, and you can see my son there, but as you look at the next picture, you can see how a dairy farmer uh, babysits his kids, okay? (laughs) That's how we did that. There's a story that goes with that, of course. Uh, uh, I'd been out in the field all day long, and I came home to milk the cows, but as a good father, I checked in on my wife to see how she was doing, and she was crying, and Jeremy was crying. I said, what's wrong? He's been fussy all day long. I haven't been able to get him to sleep. I've been having to hold him. I've been having to rock him, and my arms are about to fall off, and my back hurts, and I just can't take it anymore. Can you help? I said, well, I'd like to, but i got to go milk cows, you know, and I'll be back in in two hours if that would be helpful. She said, I don't know that I can last that long. So, well, you got an option. Oh, you know what? There's that thing. You can strap him on my back. I remember seeing that. Strap, strap him on my back. I'll just take him down to the barn. I don't care how much he's crying. I'm busy doing other stuff. And she, <laughs> and she said, no, you can't take him down there with the cows and the hogs. I don't want him down there. That's not a good place for a baby. I said, okay, you got a choice. Either strap him on or see you in two hours. She said, okay, I'll strap him on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm down there, and he's fussing and everything, and I'm milking the cows, and the milking machines are going, and clanging of the stanchions, they open and close and all that. And I don't know how long it was, but then I kind of realized, hey, I don't hear him anymore. And I thought, could he be asleep? And so I couldn't see. And so I had to try to find a window somewhere and get kind of a reflection. It looked like he was knocked out, and he didn't look very comfortable either. thought, well, I should probably take him back up and have Joyce unhook him because I couldn't even get him unhooked and lay him down. So I went up there, and I said, hey, is he asleep? She said, yeah, but man, that looks so uncomfortable. We need to hurry up and get him out of that. And I thought, okay. And then she says, wait a minute. Let's get a picture first. (laughs) So, So I thought, well, it can't be too bad. But you know what, more important than all that is I've had a heavenly father for 59 years and counting. And what a privilege. And that's what I want to share with you today is that if you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, today is the day that you need to do that. You know what, I've given my father many Father's Day's gifts. And growing up, it was usually a card and candy because I knew he'd share it with me. So I would get some of that back. But... um, I've received a lot of Father's Day gifts and cards and candy and things like that too. But I thought, what do fathers really want on Father's Day? So I thought, I'm going to be really modern and I'm going to Google. What are the top 10 things fathers like? I must not have done it right because I didn't come up with any top 10. All I got when I did that was, here's all the things you should buy for your father. And I thought, well, that's not really what I wanted. So I thought, you know what? I think I'll look in the scriptures and see what the Bible says about giving a gift. And the first gift that I saw is the gift of eternal life. And God wants to give that to everyone. I want to encourage you. You need to receive that gift as well. But I found another gift that I believe every father would like. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. 
It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, a lot of times you come to Father's Day's messages and the mothers and everybody else feels like, well, it's not really for me. Well, really today, everything I say is applicable to you, to everyone that's here, because it says, honor your father and mother. And so we all have fathers that we need to honor, and so it all applies to each of us. But my special emphasis is to the fathers today. As I look at this uh, Father's Day gift of honoring uh, as our gift to our fathers, honoring our fathers, one of the reasons I believe it's the most important one is in 3 John, verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. Now, I know this was John writing to a man named Gaius, someone that he had led to Christ. And in the interpretation there is when you lead someone to Christ, you see them walking faithfully to the Lord. That brings joy. And I know it always brings me joy when I have that opportunity. And this past Tuesday, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and he prayed to receive Christ. And what a blessing that is. You never get tired of that. As I look out over the congregation, I see people I've led to the Lord, and you're coming and being faithful. It is such a joy to see that. But the application is it can apply to us, too. When we see our children obeying God and following Him, it brings us great joy. But do most children obey and honor their fathers today? Listen to this quote. Our earth is degenerate in these latter days. Bribery and corruption are common. Children no longer obey their parents, and the end of the world is evidently approaching. Who said this? It was actually written on an Assyrian clay tablet that was written 4,800 years ago. Now, I don't know if that's how accurate that really is, but you know what? A lot of things don't change over time, do they? It sounds so familiar even today. On a lighter but no less accurate note is a quote by an unknown author. He was asked... If sound travels slower than light, he said yes, because the advice parents give teenagers doesn't usually reach them until they're around 40. (laughs) Well, I hope that's not true, but laughing, there must be an element of truth to that, right? I pray that today will be a happy Father's Day for all of you, but I'm sure there's some fathers here today that have some burdens weighing on you. Maybe your father is deceased. Maybe you don't have a good relationship with your father. Maybe your children are not walking in fellowship with the Lord. Maybe you've got a lot of physical problems or financial problems. I don't know what your burden is today, but if you're facing those burdens, I want you to know that there is hope. There is a God who loves you and wants to care for you and promises to meet your needs. One of my favorite verses in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen it says, There is no trial taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested above that you're able, but will with the trial make a way of escape or a solution that you may be able to bear it. And that's a verse that I use probably the first time as I meet counselees. And I have the privilege of counseling lots of people, and most are from the church, but a lot are from the community. People have never come here to church before. People that don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I enjoy those people coming because I want to show them the hope and the help from God's Word. And as I share that in 1 Corinthians with them, it gives them hope. It gives them encouragement. But many times they'll say to me, oh, I see what I need to do, but it's really hard. And I say, well, you know what? If you want help, God can help you, but you have to be in His family before you can get that help. And I just ask simple questions. You've heard me say these questions over and over, but if you were to die today, do you know for certain if you'd go to heaven? And most people aren't certain, you know, maybe 80-20 or 50-50 or whatever, but you have to know for certain. 
And then no matter what they say to that question, I would say, if you were to die today and meet the Lord at the gates of heaven, he'd say, why shall I let you in? What would you say? That really helps me to understand if they really know Christ, their personal Savior, if they're trying to get there their own way. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know for certain if you're going to go to heaven, at the end of this service, we will have counselors up here in the front. They're always available up here to pray with anybody. But if you want to know for certain, you can meet with them and they will share with you from the gospel how you can know for certain that you're going to go to heaven. Well, as we look at uh, when we know Christ, our personal Savior, He will give us the solutions. He has the power to do that. He has the knowledge to do that. But He doesn't always give us the solution that we want. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7 that Paul had a problem or a burden. He called it a thorn in the flesh. And what was his desired solution? He wanted it to go away. He wanted to get rid of it. And that's the way it is with most of us. We want God to take that away. And it says that he asked the Lord three times to take that burden away. But God says, no. He says, I'll give you grace to meet that need. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 says, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. We sang about that in one of the songs. My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This verse has been specially applicable to me these last couple weeks. My burden is the loss of my wife. And God has used this verse in these last few weeks to encourage me because I can't even pray that God would take that burden away. The only way God could fix that would be if he could bring her back from the dead. And I know he's not going to do that. But it says my grace is sufficient. That means God will give me what I need. And it also means God will give you what you need. And I don't know what burden it is that you're facing today, but God will meet that need. Last night, I received a phone call that one of the families in our church that the husband has a stage four cancer, not expected to live very long, and they had to rush him to the hospital yesterday. He was bleeding, and they had to give him blood transfusions, and I called his wife last night to try to encourage her, and she said, you kind of understand what I'm going through, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. And I said, here's a verse that has encouraged me this past week, and I shared this verse with her, and she said, oh, that is so helpful. That is so good. So I don't know what your burdens are today, but I just want you to know that God's grace is sufficient. But I trust that you don't have any burdens today. I trust that this is going to be a a happy and encouraging day. And I've had many of those Father's Days that were good. But regardless of where you are, God is here to encourage you and help you. I want us to look at our text now in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. It says this, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on this earth. What I want you to see, first of all, is you need to take the command seriously. I want you to understand the meaning of the word honor. The Hebrew root for that word is kava. It suggests the idea of heaviness or substance. We see in Scripture the metaphor of heavy and light, and it seems to convey the idea of substance. If something is heavy or kava, it has substance. When someone says something profound, we might say, wow, that was heavy. That's the idea. In the book of Daniel, we read the familiar account of Belshazzar and the handwriting on the wall. And and the phrase is, you have been weighed in the scales and found wanting. 
Now, actuality, God is saying, look, Belshazzar, you're the king of Babylon. You think you're great. You think you're powerful. You are nothing. You're a lightweight when it comes compared to me. I'm going to take this kingdom away from you tonight. I'm going to put somebody else in there. There's nothing you can do because you've been weighed in the balances and you've found lacking. You are just a lightweight. There's no substance to you. Picture a picnic table on a windy day. Hard to keep the napkins on the table, right? Hard to keep the plates on there sometimes. Sometimes the tablecloth blows away and you got to set things all the way around there. But if you got a 50-pound bar of gold and set it on there, nothing is going to blow that off. That's the idea of the word uh, honor. It's got weight. It's got substance to it. So we understand the meaning of the word honor, but also want you to understand how the command was given. It is one of the Ten Commandments. As you read in Ephesians 6, 2, and 3, you'll see there that it is just a a repetition of one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 5, where it says to honor your father and your mother. And what's the purpose of the commandments, the Ten Commandments? The purpose of the Ten Commandments was to help them to understand who God was. And once you understand who God is, then you understand that I need to honor Him and that I need to worship Him. And that's what we see and we look at those Ten Commandments And it's interesting how even the order of the Ten Commandments is important. The first four deal with our relationship with God. And we need to have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father before we can have a right relationship with our Earthly Father. As we look at those first four four commandments, the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Why? Because He has redeemed you and He has first claim on your life. It says there should be no idols. Why? If you worship anyone else, you're saying God is not as good as them. And then the third one is don't take his name in vain. Why? Because God is holy. Don't say words like God and Jesus and Christ and hell. And don't take that in a light way and just say those words. Anytime you use those words, it ought to be with, with meaning and with honor. And don't say his name in, in prayer just like a genie. God, give me this. Give me that. Give me those things. No, but we are respect and to honor his name. So as we look at those commands, the first three are negative. In fact, when you look at the Ten Commandments, eight of the ten are negative. In fact, it's interesting that not only did Moses get the Ten Commandments when he was on Mount Sinai, but he got 613 commandments. It's interesting how those 613, 365 of them are negative. 248 are positive. And so sometimes people say, oh, you shouldn't say anything negative. You should always be positive. Well, God says a lot of negative things. And sometimes people say, if you tell somebody you shouldn't do it, it'll just make them want to do it. Well, I don't believe that. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given all those negative commandments. When he says it, he means it. Now, when we give a negative command, we ought to do it in an edifying way. And you go, how do you do that? Well, that's a challenge, but we need to do it. It's okay to say, thou shalt not. And so we see here, he is saying, have no other gods, don't have any idols, don't take his name in vain. Then he gives a positive command. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. People say, well, we don't have to do all those laws back there on the Sabbath day where you can only walk so far and you can't cook and you can't work. We don't have to do all that. What does it mean? When it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, it just means spend time with God. And that's what we're supposed to do. And I commend you for being here in church and spending this time for God. You've said no to all the other things you could be doing and you're here. But God says he wants more than an hour. I would suggest to you he wants a day. Remember a day, set aside time to spend with God. That is so important. So you can see the first four commands talk about having a right relationship with God. It's a vertical relationship. And then he switches and said, now we want a horizontal relationship 
with all mankind. Community is what he's talking about. And the first command he gives is to honor your father and mother. If you honor your father and mother, you'll probably have good relationships with other people in the community, with other people in the church, with other people at work. Even as God sets these commands in order, he has a purpose. There's purpose even in the priority and the order. So he says to do that. And then he goes on, he says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Now that sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? I read the book one time, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I can tell you, if you murder, commit adultery, steal, and lie, you're not going to make friends with those people, right? That's pretty obvious. So what he's saying, he's laying these things down. But then what's interesting, he says, I want you to have a good relationship with, with all people. Number 10 is kind of interesting. It says, don't covet. Well, that almost seems like a separate commandment in and of itself. It doesn't seem like it all fits together really well. Because the others, you can tell if there's a murder, adultery, stealing, or lying. But coveting is a prohibition of the thought. And you can't see the thought. But what is God saying here? He said, don't murder and don't even think about it. Don't commit adultery, don't even think about it. Don't steal and don't even think about it. Don't lie and don't even think about it. Well, that is so encompassing, isn't it? Sometimes people think the Old Testament is just all about do's and don'ts. No, it's more than that. It's the heart attitude. It's our thoughts, which is important. That's why as you get into the New Testament, Matthew 5, it says, if you lust in your eyes, you've committed adultery already. See, it's in the heart. It says, if you're angry at somebody without a cause, you've committed murder in your heart already. Do you see? It's the heart. And what we see as you study the Old Testament, it really interprets the new. And in the Old Testament, it's always been about the heart, not just the actions. So God is saying, don't do the actions and don't even think about it. And if you're really serious and pleasing God, you're going to pray, Lord, clean my hands and clean my heart. Psalm 139, verse 23 says, um, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The Lord wants to focus on our hearts, not just our outward actions. Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments were given. But in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6, it said, These commands that I give you today must be in your hearts. If you really want to know what God is like, you need to study the Ten Commandments. And God knew that was important. It's interesting that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. What was he doing? He was summarizing the Ten Commandments. If you're loving the Lord your God with all your heart, you're doing commandments one through four. It's a vertical relationship with God. If you're loving your neighbors yourself, you're doing commandments five through ten. Do you see how that works? And then we see that he takes those two commands and he brings it down to one word. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, The greatest of these is love. And then you look at the balance of the law and love, and we see it comes full circle in John 14, 23. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about your heart. But if your heart's right, you're going to do the right things. And so God is saying now, I want you to honor your father. It's not just an action. It's the heart that's so important too. And so we see that as we come to our text. We see it's part of the Ten Commandments. I also want you to see that we need to obey the command fearfully. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20, it says, The fear of God was to remain in them. It says, God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. 
Now, we've probably heard the phrase, if I've told you that once, I've told you a thousand times. God doesn't want to tell you more than once. When God speaks, you need to listen and you need to obey. And that's what it's saying here when it says, honor your father. You need to honor your heavenly father, as we see in the Ten Commandments. Then you need to honor your earthly father as well. And the message of the Ten Commandments, and especially as we look at commandment number five, it was so important to God that he wanted to do something that these people would not forget what he's saying. And if you want to try to emphasize something so they don't forget it, you got to do some kind of illustration, some kind of example. And God did something very special that when he did it, it was to help them to always remember and not forget these Ten Commandments. What did he do? First of all, we read in Exodus 19, 16, he got their attention. Now, I want you to understand something. Most of us have the idea that the first time the people heard or saw the Ten Commandments was after Moses went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days. He came down with the two tablets that had copies of the Ten Commandments, and he said, hey, this is what God gave me. Let me share with you what God said. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that God spoke the Ten Commandments to Moses and all the people before he ever went up to the mountain. And that's what we see in Exodus 19, and here's how he did it. Exodus 19, he woke them up out of their sleep with thunder and lightning flashes and a loud trumpet sound. We had some of that last night, and I wish I could have recorded it and brought it today and played it right now and scare you and have you jump out of your chair. Wouldn't that have been good to wake you up? But there have been times when you've probably been asleep, and that lightning crashes, and you jump up out of bed and go, what was that? Man, that scared me. That's what he did. He woke them up. And then we see in verse 17, Moses told the three million people, I want you to gather around the base of the mountain because God is going to speak. And then in verse 18, it says, God descended upon the mountain in fire. Can you imagine if you saw the whole mountain in fire and then in smoke because nobody can see God and the smoke was was covering that. And then it said the mountain shook. It shook. And then God spoke, not in a still small voice. Verse 19 says, he spoke with thunder. When he spoke, it made loud noise, and it was powerful. What did God say? Exodus 20 and verse 1, then God spoke all these words saying, and for the next 17 verses, he gave the Ten Commandments. Can you imagine if you were there, and the place was shaking, and fire, and smoke, and lightning, and trumpet sound, and then the voice booming like thunder said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I think that would stick in your mind, right? How did the people respond to that? We see in Exodus 20 and verse 18, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, don't be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Moses and God were teaching them the proper fear of God. We're not to be afraid of God. We're to have the fear of God. And there's a big difference with that. We don't have to worry and be afraid of God. We should be able to come to him at any time. But when he speaks, we need to know he means business. And he expects us to pay attention and obey him. He means it. Now, think to yourself, if you were there, would you remember that? Would you forget that? You know, there's certain situations, experiences that I've had in my life that I don't think I will ever forget. You probably have some of those too. Indelibly burned into your mind. Here's one of them. I was about 10 years old, 
And I was helping my dad load uh, hogs into our truck. And these hogs were getting ready for market. They were about 220 pounds. And, and they were in the barn. We had to take them down this narrow alley. And it went to the loading chute. And we had the truck backed up. Stock racks on it. And the end gate was up high. And, and we just run those 15 hogs down that alley. And they go right in the truck. You drop the end gate. You get in the truck. And you take them to the uh, sale barn. Sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? So we had them going down the alley. And they were going in. And 14 of them went in. And the 15th one stopped. And he turned around. And dad tried to get closer to get him to turn around and go in. But if you know, if you try to kind of corner hogs or put pressure on them, they have a tendency when they get cornered to take off and run. And sure enough, that hog came running at my dad. My dad's all of 155 pounds. This hog is 220 pounds, a low center of gravity. If you've played football, you know what I mean with that. And that hog came running right toward my dad. My dad tried to put his knees down in there to his face to stop him, get him turned around. That hog upended him. I'm about 20 feet down the alley. That hog's running right at me. Remember, I'm 10 years old, about this high. And my dad yells at me, stop that hog. Oh man, my eyes were bugged out. That hog was coming right at me, and I jumped up on the gate, man, and let him go by. <laughs> Once he got by, I went, went back behind him, ran him back the other way, and Dad had a scoop shovel there, and what he was going to try to do was to put it in front of his face, because if you can keep it in front of his eyes, he thinks it's blocked, you can't get through, and Dad tried that, but nope, that hog up ended him, cape running back, and Dad said, stop that hog, man. Man, I got up on the fence right away, I knew I wasn't going to stop that. Next time he came back and dad had a hurdle there, a little gate, and, and he had that down. I thought, oh, that'll stop him. Dad had his shoulder down there, and that hog hit that thing hard up, ended my do- dad. I'm up on the gate right away, man. I'm not trying to stop that. The next time we're running back now, the hog is really hot, and, and we're thinking, oh, I'm thinking that thing could die if they get too hot and you know, get worked up like that. And now dad had a two before. I thought, what's he going to do with a two before? Well, that was just part of the gate that was left, you know, and he just picked, picked that thing up. That hog turned around, started coming back at him. He took that, hit him right over the head, and dropped him just like that. I thought, whoa, he just killed that hog. Dad didn't stop right there. He grabbed a hold of that tail of that 220-pound hog, picked it up, turned him around, and started scooting him toward the truck. And I thought, wow. And then the hog starts coming to and starting walking on his feet, front feet a little bit. Dad shoved him in there, dropped the end gate, and he said, get in the truck. I got in the truck. (laughs) (laughs) I was never afraid of my dad. Dad always loved me, but I knew when dad said something, he meant it, and I better do it. And that's what God is saying. Don't be afraid of God. He loves you, but you need to have the fear of God, and that's what he was demonstrating. He is powerful, and when God speaks, don't you speak back to him. You do what he tells you to do. So anyway, that's what he did. He shared with them the Ten Commandments. Then Moses went up the mountain, right? He was up there 40 days. Now, he didn't tell the people how long he was going to be gone. I don't think he knew how long he was going to be gone. God says, hey, I want you to come up and talk to me. And I think Moses said, yes, sir, I'll be right up there. Anyway, he was up there, and it didn't take long until the people of Israel started thinking, where did Moses go? Isn't he coming back? What's going on? And what did they do? They forgot God, and they broke commandment number one, and they made an idol, which was a golden calf. And God saw that, and he got angry. He sent Moses down there. He says, you need to get down there because I'm ready to destroy those people. Moses came down, the first thing he did is he broke the Ten Commandments. I think it was symbolic. They'd already broken the commandments. He was helping them see, you broke them and you broke all. They may say, hey, I only broke one. We, we just created an idol. It didn't break all ten, so why'd you break that? Well, you know, in James 2.10, it says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet offends in one, he is guilty of all. I share that with people when I share the gospel because they think they're pretty good. I say, if you, you commit one sin, you're guilty of all. 
And then I give the illustration. How many banks do you have to rob to be a bank robber? Uh, one. <laughs> how many people do you have to kill to be a murderer? One. You get the idea. So they broke the law, and God was so angry that Moses told the priest to kill those who had been part of that. And it says that 3,000 of them were killed. God was so angry. But then we see God gave them a second chance. We read in Exodus 34 that God told Moses to bring two tablets of stone up the mountain, and God was going to make a new set. But it's interesting, as he went up that second time, what did he do the, first, those, the second 40 days? The first 40 days, he got the Ten Commandments, plus the 613 commandments, plus all the instructions to build a tabernacle, which the purpose of building the tabernacle was to teach them how to worship God and to see God's holiness, okay? So he got all that. What's he going to do the next 40 days? The, the scripture tells in Exodus 34 that Moses was up there and he fasted and prayed that God would not destroy them. Can you imagine that? That is the anger of God. And Moses had showed the love of Moses and he was beseeching God, please don't destroy them. And God, in his mercy, did not destroy them. Deuteronomy 10.10 says, I, moreover, stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, like the first time. And the Lord listened to me that time also, and the Lord was not willing to destroy you. And then we see that he got the Ten Commandments. We also see he made the Ark of the Covenant, and he put two copies of the Ten Commandments in the Ark of the Covenant, that this is a permanent covenant. I don't have time to go into the details, but there was two copies, like a legal document. If you sell a house, you, the seller gets a copy, the buyer gets a copy, and God was saying, this is important. This is an everlasting commandment that we have. Well, God says, not only are we to take the command to honor your father seriously, but we need to apply the command to everyone. The command to honor the, the parents is not just to the children. Now, the context in Ephesians 6 is just to children. We see in Ephesians 5 and 6 that, that God is addressing wives and husbands and children, servants and masters. And Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, it says, Children, obey your parents and Lord, honor your, your mother and father. But it's not just to children. What we see here is a direct quote from Commandment 5 in Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16. And the Ten Commandments were not age-specific. It was for everybody. When it says, uh, Thou shalt not lie, that was for children as well as mom and dad. It was for everybody to do that. And so what we see here, the word honor is a general word that fits you from childhood through your entire life. And I want to say to teenagers here just a minute, when you get 18, it doesn't mean you don't have to honor your parents anymore. You honor your parents your whole life. There's never a time when you don't have to follow that command. But we do it differently at different ages. Children, it says, to obey and honor. And so children, it's pretty simple. It sounds not very... Uh, friendly to children, but basically if your parents say it, you need to do it. Uh, parents understand why they're doing it. So we're supposed to kind of explain some things to our kids, but they still may not explain, understand it. And you just go, you know what? You just need to do it. I've been through it before. You haven't. I've had things when I've counseled so many people and I've been a youth, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And sometimes parents would come to me and say, we're talking to our teenager and teenager said, mom and dad, you just don't understand me. I said, I don't think I understand them. I said, no, it's not that you don't understand them. They don't understand you. Because you've been a teenager, they haven't been a parent. So don't fall for that, okay? God says you're to bring them up. They aren't supposed to bring you up. And so children, you're supposed to obey and honor. Teenagers, not only are they to, to honor their parents, the honor takes something a little bit different. Not just are they to obey the law, they're supposed to obey the spirit of the law. Well, what does that mean? Let me give an example. The, the, the dad says, I want you home by 10 o'clock. It's a weeknight. I want you home by 10. So the teenager gets in at 5 till 10. 
Did they obey the law? Yes. But then what do they do? They go to their room, get on their phone, call their friends, text people, play video games, watch movies until 1 a.m. Did they obey the law? Yes. Did they obey the spirit of the law? No. What was the spirit? The spirit wasn't once you're home at 10 o'clock, get a good night's rest so you can function tomorrow. See, teenagers understand the law, but they also understand what's behind it, and they're supposed to understand the spirit of it as well. Young adults, we need to honor our fathers. How do we do that? It's by respect. We don't have to do everything our parents tell us once we're on our own, but we do need to respect their opinions. You know, we probably need to learn vocabulary such as mortgage payments, variable and fixed rates, insurance premiums, property taxes, school taxes, federal, state, city taxes, flex spending, deductibles, whole life and term cash flow, budgets, 401ks, matching funds, investment. You understand? They've been there. They've gone through some of those things. It's important to respect that and to learn some of those things from them. You need to listen to his advice so you don't go into debt. I love Dave Ramsey. He says, debt is dumb and cash is king. Right to the point, right? Luke 14, 21 says, For which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? I don't know too many people that have built a tower, but I think you get the idea. If you want to build a house, you want to buy a house, you want to buy a car, you want to to lease a car, any big ticket item, before you sign the dotted line, you better have a plan. You better know that you can take care of that, and you need to plan on a downturn in the economy because it will happen. You need to plan on you could get a reduction in salary because that could happen. You could plan on you may lose your job because that could happen. You need to have all of those things in place ahead of time so that you don't become a slave to debt. The Bible says, owe no man anything but to love one another. So that's what he's saying. We need to listen to our parents, older adults. We need to honor our fathers by caring for them. That's kind of the place where I am right now with my dad being 86. I try to care for him. The older you get, the older I get, the more respect I have and appreciation for what my dad has done for me all of these years. Charles Wadsworth said this, by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son who thinks he's wrong, okay? So, but once we understand that, we want to care for them. So we need to apply the command to everyone, but we also need to enjoy the promises now and in the future. When you look at the Ten Commandments, this is the only one that makes, has a promise. Isn't that good? It says you follow this, things are going to be well with you now and in the future. You know, the context of Deuteronomy chapter 5 is just the chapter preceding it. In verse 40 it says, So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I am giving you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may live long on the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. The context is, this is the way it's going to continue. If you want to have blessing now, honor your father. If you want to have blessing in the future, teach that to your children, and then they do it, and it keeps going. Now, it's not saying if you honor your father today, you're going to get a gift of 100 acres free of charge. No. The land was promised back there in Deuteronomy, and they already got that land. As God is repeating that command and bringing it to the New Testament, he's saying there's a principle there that we are to honor our fathers, and as you do that, God is going to bless us. And we know the scripture teaches that as we, the more obedient we are to scripture, the more blessing that God gives us. And so he encourages us to do that. Well, as we, we go on, we see that the word honor is also a heart issue. In Deuteronomy 5, he gives the Ten Commandments. And just as soon as he finishes with that, in verse 29, we see it says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. He says, I want them to have this heart. 
The Ten Commandments was never just about the law. It has always been about what's right, but also it's our heart and having the right spirit and attitude. Well, we can see here that it says that we are to enjoy the promises that God has given us, but then we are also to learn from the Israelites. Learn from the example of the Israelites. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 11, it says this, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. Now who is the they and who is the them? It says these things are written to them as an example. That's to us. And they were written for our instruction. But what is it that we read? In verses 1 through 10 here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about the Israelites and their wandering in the wilderness. All of the things they did wrong, the things that they did right, it includes the Ten Commandments, it includes God's judgment, it includes all those things. And God has said, this example that we see about the Ten Commandments is written that we can learn from it. You know, it's a whole lot better if we can learn from somebody else's mistakes instead of us making those mistakes. That's a whole lot better. Somebody said, um, experience is a good teacher, and a fool will learn by no other. I'd rather learn by someone else's experience, right? I'd rather read their examples here and say, hey, I better not do that. This is what I need to do. And that, that's what God is saying in the New Testament. I wrote this in here so that you could learn from that and not have to go through those same problems. So the question is, how well did the Israelites honor their heavenly father? Well, first of all, remember when God spoke to them, they said to Moses, we see it in Exodus 24, 3, Uh, Moses came and recounted the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances and all the people answered with one voice. Notice, all, they were unanimous, one voice. All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. How long did that last? Less than 40 days. I think probably a couple weeks because it'd take a while to gather that gold and, and make a golden calf, do all those kind of things. It didn't last long. And they broke the Ten Commandments in less than 40 days. It wasn't a matter that they didn't understand Because what part of thou shalt not didn't they get? That was clear. There was no misunderstanding with that. But we see that they broke the Ten Commandments in Exodus 32.1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and him. And they said, come make us a God who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who was brought up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. He took their gold, made it into a molten calf, and said, this is your God. And then Moses, in symbolic fashion, broke the stone tablets. But then we see they repented in verse 29. Moses said, dedicate yourselves today to the Lord. And God gave them another chance in Exodus 34, 1. The Lord said to Moses, cut out for yourselves two stone tablets like the former ones. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the former tablets which you shattered. He gave them a second chance. And then we see, 40 years later, God repeated this account. Evidently, they listened to it pretty well. But why did God repeat it? We see in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments given. And then we see in Deuteronomy 5, they were repeated. Why were they given a second time there? Because we know that the children of Israel didn't want to go in the promised land. And God says, everybody that's 18 and above is going to die in the wilderness in this next 40 years. Now then, those that were older and that had been born during that time and hadn't seen all of that, God repeated it and says, you need to remember this. This is important. You need to honor your father. Psalm 78, verse 5 says, For he appointed a law in Israel, 
which he commanded our father, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. You see, the context is the Ten Commandments. The specific command that he brought there in Ephesians 6 is, Honor your Father. The question, how well are you honoring your Heavenly Father? First of all, have you ever accepted that free gift? He wants to give you that free gift of eternal life. If you've received that free gift of eternal life and you know that you're a child of God, have you made the commitment to honor Him by putting Him first in your life? Or are there areas in your life when you're, where you're disobedient and you know you're not doing what God wants? Are you willing to repent and start honoring your heavenly father? How well are you honoring your earthly father? Children, are you obeying your parents? When they tell you to do something, do you do it? Teenagers, are you not only obeying your parents, but you're obeying the spirit of the law? Young adults, are you respecting your parents? Older adults, are you caring for your parents? Honor your father. That's what God is saying to us today, and he means it. And he says this, take the command to honor your father seriously. Apply the command to everyone. Enjoy the promises now and in the future. Learn from the example of the Israelites.